0: Fellas, what up and welcome to episode 2019.4 of the MFHT cast. I am the commish and we are sponsored today by the West Salem Tap House and Growler Phil. Tim and I were able to check in there yesterday after work, have a couple beers. Shout out to Tim for the round. Um, it was nice. Got, got a chance to debrief on a little football, a little life, a little work. Uh, good stuff. Um, all right, a couple things for you today. First off, just want to start out with a general And a league overview as we head into week seven. Believe it or not, we are almost halfway through our fantasy regular season in the league. Uh, So for those of you who are sucking, I would encourage you to begin turning more and more attention to side league and other fantasy endeavors. I know we have basketball season, hockey season right around the corner, etc. So just want to kind of give a state of where each team is and where I think we're headed at one and five in the standings, we have Bettis and Thacker. Uh, these guys need to turn it around pretty quickly. We have, uh, in our venerable nineteen-year history with MFHT, we have a history of teams sneaking into the playoffs with a six and seven record. So if either Bettis or Thacker goes on a run and puts up uh, a five and two record down the stretch here. Uh, they would have a chance, but they would need to start scoring points quickly, probably need some kind of big trade to change up their rosters. Uh, they're not quite drawn dead yet, but they're pretty close at two and four. We have Bartley Comer and service on Bartley's team, uh, this last week in week six, he obviously got a huge game from Stefan Diggs. I'm sure he's been looking for more of that this year. Uh, Diggs is a very talented receiver, great route runner, great downfield, uh, you know, we know that at this point about him. The problem is, is that it's a low volume passing attack and he's number two in the pecking order bes- behind Adam Thielen. So not sure we're going to see that kind of ceiling out of him again, but at least nice to see for one week. Uh Bartley also gets uh, Jacobs from Oakland, the running back. I'm blanking on his first name. Maybe Josh Josh Jacobs. Is that it? Um, off by. He looked good before the bye against the Bears. Um and should continue to see the ball a lot. Bartley also made a really nice pickup of Hunter Henry on the waiver wire, anticipating he would be back. He came back uh, big time and scored a couple touchdowns um, against Pittsburgh on Sunday night. And also that allows Bartley to finally rid himself of the albatross that is OJ Howard. What a total bust. Um, he was supposed to be the, you know, tight end four or five behind Kelsey Kittle and Ertz and kind of in that same tier with Henry and and Ingram. And he has just been god awful this year. So good, good work by Bartley moving on from him. The other thing I like for Bartley is that Josh Allen's schedule sets up really nicely over the course of the next month or so. Um, So maybe Bartley can get hot, get on a little run here and uh, make some noise in the second half. Uh, on services side, you know, Jared Goff has just looked god-awful. Their offensive line is bad. Um, obviously, Todd Gurley's injured and, and hadn't been as involved in the passing game. And Goff, um, what, I, what I saw about Goff this week was um, a, a tweet, I believe, from Josh Norris at Roto World that uh, said, Jared Goff looks like a, a baby giraffe learning how to walk for the first time anytime he's under pressure. And I think that's pretty apt. Uh, he's looked pretty terrible. On the plus side for service, uh, Jared Goff does have two good matchups coming up against Atlanta and Cincinnati. And then also on the plus side for service, Le'Veon Bell's schedule coming up looks pretty nice. So um, some, some things to, to be optimistic about there for service. On Comer side, uh, you know, Russ Wilson has been, I think the, the league MVP so far, uh, you know, it's not really a hot take. I think a lot of people are saying that he's just been, he's been great. Um, and, You know, I I wish Seattle would put the ball in his hands more because, I mean, he's been their best player and really one of the best players in the league for the last few years. But they just, um, you know, they want to be a ground and pound type team. Um, And that's that's I I think not really their ideal identity. I think their ideal identity would be let's make Russ the centerpiece of our offense because he's just so damn good. Um, But he's obviously been producing for Colmer. Keenan Allen has, has come back down to earth a little bit. Alvin Kamara is banged up a little bit. They said he has a high ankle type thing, which, you know, is some pretty neat coach speak right there, but he's a little banged up. They have their buy coming up. So maybe he could get right with Drew Brees coming back, you know, still optimistic on his prospects down the stretch. Um, Unfortunately for Colmer, Carlos Hyde does not get to play Kansas city every week Um, and not sure that there is enough um, behind him for, for Colmer to, uh, to really make a lot of noise, but definitely have to be happy about how Russ is looking so far at three and three. We have Darren and Enticer. Uh, Darren has Patrick Mahomes, who's been through, you know, what for him you would consider a rough two game stretch. I mean, he had 273 yards and three passing touchdowns last week and is considered a down game for him. I mean, that's that's how high a bar he set for himself. Um, He has another tough matchup this week going into Denver, but obviously can still produce even in a tough matchup. For Darren, Zeke had his first big game of the year. Offensive line injuries uh, over on Dallas um, are a concern. The fact that Amari Cooper is a concern for the overall health of the offense. Um, But, you know, obviously they are back to wanting to feed the ball to Zeke and have the offense run through him, uh, which bodes well for Darren. He's also gotten, you know, some really nice performances the last couple of weeks out of Austin Hooper. Who, if you look at his stats over like the last 16 games, he's like right up there with Kelsey and Kittle um, in terms of receptions and yards. Um, he he really turned it on kind of quietly down the stretch last year and has been great to start the season. Um, and then Tevin Coleman has, has been really good the last couple of weeks and the 49ers are obviously a team that wants to run the ball. Um, Kyle Shanahan is known for having a great running scheme. They do use Matt Breida quite a bit. So it's, you know, you'd prefer it to be a single back situation, but even though I am, uh, I believe a founding member of team hashtag never Tevin uh, have to admit that Coleman has looked pretty good coming off his injury. Um, for Darren, So, you know, some, some things to be optimistic about there for Darren as well on Tyson side, you know, I think he could be about to go on a run here. He has, he, he and I are head to head this week. And unfortunately I have McCaffrey on by, I have Amari Cooper dealing with an injury. So always tough to win, uh, without your RB one, without your wide receiver one. And, and yes, I am setting low expectations and making excuses in advance for if, and when Tyson does actually beat me this week. Um, feel like that was not actually very subtle at all by me. Um, The other thing, you know, for Tice is that he is getting Saquon Barkley back and made that trade while Saquon was hurt. Saquon came back like Wolverine faster than anybody could have possibly imagined. And, you know, basically getting back one of the best running backs in the league with one of the best roles in the league in terms of uh, passing game usage and obviously is a supremely talented player. So, and uh, that's going to be great for him in the second half. And then getting Tyreek Hill back from injury. I mean, Tyreek Hill comes back from injury and instantly catches a long touchdown pass from Mahomes gets another one later in the game. He only ran, I think 22 pass routes in the game this weekend was targeted 10 times on those 22 pass routes and caught 10 touchdowns. I mean, Jesus, uh, the guy's a machine. So with Saquon and Ty Freak up at the top of his roster, uh, Tice is, is really set up from a ceiling standpoint. And then, with other guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Julian Edelman, you know, we know what they're going to do on a week in, week out basis. They're just consistent. They're going to catch a, you know, six passes a week, um, maybe get in the end zone, maybe not. But those guys are never going to kill or completely tank your roster. and You've got to have guys like that. Uh, He also has Gerald Everett going at tight end, who, you know, didn't get anything done against San Francisco this last week as their whole offense got stymied. But, you know, I think he is certainly in play on a week to week basis at tight end at this point in the year. And then the other thing tights that's going for him is Lamar Jackson is now after that monster rushing performance this last week, the fantasy QB one overall. And I think the perfect uh, example of why you want to wait to draft a quarterback in the draft. Uh, He was the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to pass for over 200 yards and rush for over hundred in the same game. So pretty impressive performance. He is also on pace to shatter Mike Vick's uh, QB rushing record over the course of a season. I think Vick's record is a thousand, somewhere between a thousand and 1100 and currently uh, Lamar Jackson's on pace for like 1,250 yards rushing. I mean, it's just insane. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot of good stuff going on on Tice's roster right now. And I think it would not surprise me at all um, to see him beat me this week. I think he's favored on the medium projection in Yahoo right now. I need to figure out a tight end situation. Um, but also wouldn't surprise me to see Tice go on a run here and, and get hot in the second half of the season. All right, enough about him. At 4-2, and we have Eric Robb and Travis. Uh, Eric has Kyler Murray rounding into form. He's looked really good the last couple weeks. They're starting to run him a little bit more. He's obviously getting more comfortable in the offense. Should get Christian Kirk back. Nice matchup versus the Giants this week. You'd like to see them going down the field a little bit more. They started mixing that in, but their outside receivers are not very good. Their offense is really running through Fitz and David Johnson and when he's healthy, Christian Kirk. But still, you know, Kyler is is starting to play like people thought he would. Kenny Galladay has just been an absolute beast this year. He is, you know, he's not under the radar, but I think he's maybe a little bit underrated in terms of just how good he is physically and how good he is going down the field and catching balls in traffic. I mean, he's he's a really legit wide receiver Um, and he's having a great season. Couple, couple question marks here for Eric. One is that OBJ and Devonte Adams still haven't popped. I mean, Adams is obviously dealing with that injury. OBJ could have had a huge game this last week against Seattle. Him and Baker left a couple balls on the field while, where Baker was hitting him on the back shoulder, and and OBJ couldn't quite haul it in. Um, just kind of some timing stuff. Baker was, you know, for a guy whose calling card was his accuracy coming out of college, he's been really inaccurate this year. Um, and then he also, uh, Odell also had a couple huge plays wiped out by penalties, one of which was a blindside block call on Jarvis Landry that was what I thought the worst call of the season by any referee in any game up until I saw those two hands-to-the-face calls that got called on Trey Flowers uh, on the Monday night game, which if I were a Lions fan, I'd just be fucking irate. Um, and I know Tice has been on this. Penalties are up. Uh, by three penalties per game on average of this year in the NFL. And it's just too much. And it's definitely taking away from the product. And, and just as a fan of the game, you know, I sit down to watch, you know, Lions Packers, a team, you know, game that I don't have a whole lot of rooting interest in other than, you know, some side league stuff that was already in the barn at that point. Um, you know, kind of frustrating to see, but, but I digress. Uh, I was talking about OBJ. The other thing that, uh, oh, well, just to finish that point, Eric could see his team pop a little bit in the second half if OBJ and if Devontae Adams can get right and start producing, you know, closer to their ceiling than what they have done so far, which I think is not out of the question at all. Uh, Eric's running back situation is still concerning. You know, Damian Williams, um, you know, catches a 30 yard screen pass for a touchdown last week and then just completely disappears from their game plan. He has Frank Gore who, you know, as long as he's healthy, Frank Gore is going to get 12 to 14 touches a game. He's not going to feature heavily in the passing game. Does have some TD upside in that offense. Um, so you know what you're getting there. Not much of a ceiling, though. And then David Montgomery, who's been just a massive disappointment to start the season. The Bears' offensive line has been really bad. Um, not, uh, you know, just not opening holes for him in the running game. Their offense sucks in general. So, um, And then, you know, you get the weird things where Matt Nagy is like, well, we'll only give the ball to our running back six times this game. He's got a little bit of that Andy Reid in him. Um, So, you know, Montgomery is not a guy I'd be looking to play at all. So the the running back situation is a concern for Eric. For Rob, he has lots of guys that have some usage questions, Um, you know, certainly like the opportunity that. DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans get on a week in week out basis, but they're not doing a whole lot with that opportunity. Uh, Mike Evans dropped like a 75 yard touchdown pass last week, just awful. And they're kind of using DeAndre Hopkins more as an underneath receiver um, and a chain mover. And um, that's not really what you want out of a guy that you took in the first round. Um, And obviously on the Mike Evans side, he's losing, not really losing market share to Chris Godwin because they're they're both about even in um, targets, but he's definitely being significantly outproduced by Chris Godwin. Rob also has um, Tyler Lockett, who's just a total stud, um, but he is not in that tier of receivers where the teams are going to feature them in a way where they say every week we're going to make sure – that this guy is getting 10 to 12 targets. And that's always been the problem for Tyler Lockett is that he just doesn't get the same volume that other great receivers do. I think from a talent standpoint, he could be, you know, an elite receiver in the NFL. He just doesn't get the same opportunity that other guys do. So, you know, there are going to be weeks where he pops up and other weeks where he kind of disappoints. But generally speaking, I'm a big fan of Lockett. Um, Then the running back side, you know, again, you know, a mix of guys who are in these timeshare situations with, with Mark Ingram, Shady, and Kenyon Drake. Ingram got 18 touches last week. He They're giving him the ball inside the five-yard line, but with how much Lamar Jackson runs the ball, and then they also are giving carries to Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, um, Ingram's upside is, is a bit capped there. Last guy in the four and two tier is Travis with Dalvin... Um, Travis Henry and Austin Eckler making up a nice tight core there for him. Even though Melvin Gordon is back, you know, we talked about last week, Austin Eckler is still going to be involved and Dalvin Cook should lead the league in rushing attempts. Um, And, you know, he's very talented and very effective. So, you know, that, that gives him a nice base to work from DJ Chark has been great this year, you know, total surprise, I think for most people, but he's been, one of the most uh, productive wide receivers in the NFL. You know, he got shut down last week by Marshawn Lattimore, but Lattimore has been playing great the last few weeks. So that's not a huge surprise. Big thing for Travis is he needs to get Juju going in the second half. And I'm not sure that that's going to happen with Delvin Hodges uh, running the show at QB or Mason Rudolph if he comes back. Um, So might be a little bit tough sledding there for Travis, but again, with those running backs, you know, he should be in decent shape week in week out. And then at five and one, you've got me and Tim up at the top. Tim has, I think, a really nice core for his team with Chris Godwin, who is, I I think, still the the wide receiver one overall in in all of fantasy. Deshaun Watson, who had an awesome game this last week and would have had an absolute monster of a game if Will Fuller hadn't dropped three touchdown passes. Terry McLaurin, another guy who, you know, had some buzz coming into the season. But I think, you know, most people didn't anticipate just how – effective he would be case Keenum kind of locks onto him uh which you know from a real football standpoint is maybe not ideal and you know their offense is not good by any stretch of the imagination but from a fantasy standpoint if you get that wide receiver that the qb locks onto you know that's kind of a yahtzee and then tim also has dj and christian kirk from his hometown arizona cardinals kirk should be coming back this week dj has been very good this year their offensive line is not great but they're running so many plays and they're spreading the field so well that their their running game has been effective and uh they're using dj in the passing game as he should be used unlike last year under mike mccoy so really like that and then george kittle at tight end um who's been blocking more this year than he did last year, but still obviously a beast and one of the best tight ends in the league. He, by the way, he's like a total meathead. I don't know if you guys ever see him on the internet. Like he's like all into wrestling and like just drinking beers and like just a corn fed country boy meathead kind of, kind of fun guy to, to root for there. Um, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, the big thing for Tim is running back depth. I think that's that's where the concern lies. Um, Miles Sanders, Chris Thompson behind DJ uh, are are you know possible RB two flex plays in the right game script. But um, you know, I guess on Chris Thompson's side, you know Washington projects to be behind quite a bit, and so he should get a lot of work in the passing game. But still, you know, not not quite as much depth there as you'd like to see. And then up at the top, uh, myself at five and one. Uh, didn't have a great week this last week. Uh, my running back situation is still great. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is just silly. I was thrilled on Sunday to wake up at 6:30 a.m., pour myself some coffee, and turn on the TV and watch Christian McCaffrey uh, plunge in for a, a, a sweet little one-yard touchdown where he got some extra effort on fourth and one uh, from the uh, from the or fourth and goal from the one. And then either the next possession or a couple possessions later, he scored a touchdown. That if you guys haven't seen this highlight, it is worth digging into and finding because he just made the Tampa Bay defense look silly, catches a little swing pass out in the flat, maybe 20 yards out and puts a juke on a guy that broke his ankle so hard. The guy just sat down on his butt right there on the field. I mean, that was all he could do. And then immediately is transferring that into power, putting a stiff arm on a linebacker's face and walking into the end zone. I mean, it was just a beautiful display of speed to quickness, to power all in one play um you know, typically the MVP in real life goes to a quarterback in a quarterback-driven league. People are talking about CMC as having an MVP type season so far. So we'll see if he keeps that up after their buy. And then Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson are both still getting 20 plus touches a game. And that's really the name of the game for running backs, is, is is touch volume. Um, and they're both being used in the passing game. So, like that. What I do worry about a little bit with all three of those guys is do they start to break down as the season goes along because they're, they're all getting so much volume early in the season that that's, that's hard to maintain over the course of the season, but you know, can't complain uh, too much about that. Um, Other things that are going on on my roster, the Amari Cooper injury, you know, obviously hurts me at the wide receiver one spot, which wide receiver is not a strength of my team. Anyways, um, you know, I've got a lot of good wide receivers, but I don't have, you know, any great wide receivers. And so that hurts uh, taking one of those guys and and the most explosive of the bunch out of the mix and also hurts me quarterback. And that's the danger with stacking your your QB wide receiver is now I'm down a wide receiver one and I also have to downgrade my QB, um, which sucks. So hopefully Amari's back sooner than later. Um, Doesn't seem like it's a long-term thing, just a pain management thing. And then the other thing for me is I am definitely feeling the shorter bench right now that we instituted this year. And this is, you know, one of those uh, you reap what you sow kind of things because I I was the one that was really advocating for shorter benches. um, And I'm having a little bit of trouble managing my depth right now. So generally speaking, I don't like to carry two tight ends. I don't like to carry two defenses and I don't like to carry guys who are out or injured for an extended period of time. And I'm actually doing all three of those things right now. Um, I thought Chris Herndon would be back following his uh, suspension. He now is dealing with a hamstring injury. So until I know his status, I need to make sure I'm hanging on to third leg Greg, who's also on by this week. So I have two tight ends on my roster who I don't know if I can use right now. Um, on the defense side, I picked up San Francisco to stream this week. They have some matchups in the second half of the season that I might like to use. So I've got San Francisco Buffalo. Don't feel great about giving up either one of those because I, I want to use both of them in spot situationally. And then I already mentioned Herndon. And then the other one is OJ or not OJ AJ Green um, who I drafted and thought, you know, maybe week four ish, he'd be coming back, but here we are week seven. And I still don't know if he's going to be back or not. The problem is, One, with this Amari Cooper injury, I don't want to do anything to my wide receiver depth. And two, I've held on to him for so long, I feel kind of pot committed to him, right? Like if I were to give up on him now and he comes back next week and is good down the stretch, I'm going to feel like a jackass. So I can't figure out with guys like Herndon and A.J. Green if I am being wise and patient or if I'm just being a stubborn asshole and frankly, neither one would surprise me and probably more so the latter would be consistent with uh, how I have lived my life uh, up to this point. So we'll have to see there. But there are some things that I'd like to do with my roster, um, but feel a little bit limited in terms of, you know, not wanting to give up on those guys just yet. So but overall, you know, can't complain. Five and one. Uh, I have the best player in the league on my roster. Um Please, sweet Lord, baby Jesus, keep him healthy and keep the ball coming his way. And, uh, you know, got to feel good about that going down the stretch. Uh, Just a few minutes left here. Do want to touch base on the side league for those that played in it. Uh, So through six weeks, our standings on the side league are three victories for nuts Two for me after this week, I took it down. Um, Don't feel great about how it all went down. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that I think I made in just a second. And then one victory for Tyser and zero for the field. So we need some guys to start stepping up. Bartley got in the money this week. Tim has been making some noise up at the top of the standings and, um, you know, was in first place going into the Monday night game and couldn't quite hang on. And so we need you guys to step up. We need Barsoe to step up. Eric, you need to keep plugging away and getting getting your butt back in there. Service, it's time for you to make some noise. Uh, Bettis, you know, you got to pull yourself together. Given given how trash your team is in the main league, you need to make some noise in the side league. Let's make it happen here, buddy. A um, couple things on week six, just real quick. So th- one of the things that we want to do when we're playing DFS is look for the value plays. So we had some potential value plays this last week in Latavius Murray. If Kamara wasn't going to play, Kamara ended up playing. Uh, Chase Edmonds, if David Johnson didn't end up playing, but David Johnson ended up playing. So those guys were kind of off the board at that point. Uh, The one that we were able to tap into was Malcolm Brown at 4,300, running back for the Rams. And um, I think in general, that's the type of play that we want to look for. Uh, A guy who is mispriced based on projected usage and because of an injury situation or something like that that comes up after DraftKings makes their pricing. So if you played Malcolm Brown, I think that was a totally fine and good process-oriented play and the type of play that I think you want to go back to. I went back and forth on whether I wanted to play Malcolm Brown or Cooper Cup. I thought the game set up really well for San Francisco's defense to come in and dominate the line of scrimmage. And after the first series, when the Rams had the ball, it looked like I got that really wrong. They ran Malcolm Brown right down San Francisco's throat and then did a handoff to Bob Woods to go up seven, nothing. And then after that, they did not piss a drop. San Francisco just took that game over. Um, And I think that was a big difference maker for me was not playing either Brown or cup and instead playing San Francisco's defense. I think that was kind of what won the week for me. Um, I made a lot of mistakes in my roster, specifically around these timeshare running backs. I mean, I said this last week and it's a mistake that I keep on making in DFS. And this is like, fellas, this is like a do as I say, not as I do moment here. Uh, I played at running back, Mark Ingram, Darren Williams, and carry on Johnson. All three are guys that, that you know, I thought were in good spots, but they all split carries and, and touches and snaps with other players on their roster. Um, and all three of them, actually scored an early touchdown and really didn't do anything the rest of the game Um, mentioned before Damian Williams caught a 30 yard screen pass for a touchdown. And then I think he only had one touch the rest of the game. Mark Ingram got 18 touches, but, you know, talked about the um, issues there in terms of sharing the ball in that backfield and then carry on Johnson. You know, I don't, I don't really know what's going on up there in Detroit because it seems like they would want to feature him more than they do. And he, he got somewhere around 15 touches in the game. Um, and he, frankly, wasn't super effective. Uh, Bartley used him as well. So Bartley and I finished one, two. Bartley was texting me basically saying, I'm never using this guy again. And frankly, I have to agree. Um, so, you know, even though I got the win this week in the side league, I feel like I got a bit lucky. It was a situation where my process was not good. Uh, both Leonard Fournette and Chris Carson were priced right around all three of those running backs that I mentioned. And those guys were both superior plays to any one of the three um, that I talked about. Also, if you wanted to go up to the top of the salary scale and go get Zeke at 8,500 against the Jets, you know, I think that was a good play. So uh, not good process, but got lucky and, and got a good result. And my mantra going forward will be, I shall not roster timeshare running backs in dfs so going into week seven what i want to do is again make sure i'm looking for that value make sure i'm looking to find those mispriced guys i've already seen a few that i'm considering that i think are underpriced given their role and opportunity in their offense Uh, i want to find those core running back plays those guys that you know regardless of how the game is flowing regardless of whether their team is up and down They're going to be in the game. They're going to have a role in the passing game. They're going to have a role in the red zone. Those are the guys I want to roster. And uh, unfortunately, those guys tend to be pretty damn expensive on DraftKings. So you got to get a little creative with the rest of your roster. Um, But, you know, I've done this long enough and put together enough bad rosters on DFS to know that most weeks you're not going to get away with Mark Ingram, Damian Williams, and On Johnson. So uh, that's something that I'm going to work on keeping in mind. And then lastly, of course, trying to identify that. QB pass catcher slash games to stack up where I want to get on both sides of the ball. So some things for you guys to keep in mind, hopefully as well, if you are playing in the side league, if you are not playing in the side league, I will continue to call you a coward rally up it's time, especially for those of you guys who are sucking in the main league, you know who you are. All right, guys. uh, Good luck in week seven. Hope y'all have a great week. Commish signing off. Cheers.